Hello and welcome to Chaplain's Word of the Day. I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett and I invite you to come along with me as we explore God's Word so that we can be inspired, challenged, and comforted together. Today I'm commenting on Philippians chapter 2 and I'm speaking on the idea of being in our right minds. Now when we handle important issues, it's vital that our minds be clear that we're in our right minds. And that's why the label on many medicine bottles warn people not to take those pills and to drive and or operate heavy machinery. Now I found this to be true in my own life because once when I was in the army, I'd actually become so violently ill that I got dehydrated. I had to go to the hospital for IV fluids and nausea medication. And I'd also pulled a muscle in my back so they gave me some muscle relaxants to ease the pain for a few days until it quit hurting. But then they told me to report for duty the next day. I discovered this wasn't a very good idea. My head was fuzzy all day long and I spent most of the day sitting sideways at my desk staring at a spot on the wall. Most of the day, that is, except for the time when my boss came boiling out of his office to ask me a question. Now, my boss was a short little hyperactive bachelor. He was a major. And at that time, I was a lieutenant, a junior lieutenant, and he really didn't like me very much. He was a handful on a good day. Uh, but that day, I have no idea what he asked me. He, he spent several minutes quizzing me about something. And to this day, I don't know what. I also don't have a clue what I told him. It must have satisfied him because he turned on his heel and scurried back off to his office. That experience frightened me so much that I have never again taken muscle relaxers. I just won't do it. I did that won't. Paul taught the Philippians that the gospel is so important that we must be in our right minds as we deal with it. So let's look at what that means to us today as we read our text. First, for the Christian, a right mind is a unified mind. Verses 1 through 4 read, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. Sadly, Christianity is rife with division. We are divided into large groups like Protestants, Catholics, and the Orthodox. And each of these groups believe they have the total truth and they serve God in their own distinctive ways. I mean, the Orthodox Church even has their own calendar. Uh, they celebrate Christmas and Easter and other holy days on totally different days than do the rest of Christendom. And that's fine. Because in Protestantism, we have many divisions as well. We have evangelical versus mainline versus Pentecostal, etc. Uh, even Baptists have divisions, or maybe especially. If you ask five Baptists same, the same question, you'll probably get six or seven answers. And, and not only do conflicts exist at the denominational level, intra-church conflict was a pandemic long before we ever heard of COVID-19. These divisions cause much church trouble because 
it damages our reputation in the community. Dr. Bob White identified this as a serious problem in his book, Healthy Kingdom Churches. He documented that a church's reputation is a vital part of its potential for growth and effective ministry. Of course, division also damages our relationships with each other, which is equally bad. Paul taught that we must be unified in the gospel, and he also gave some very practical tips about how to do that. First, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Also, we see that for the Christian, a right mind is a humble mind. Verses 5 through 11 read, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature with God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is not only our Savior and Lord, but He's also our example. We are to follow His lead and give His and live His kind of life. We are to have His kind of mind. And this was the genesis behind the book, In His Steps, which later spawned the WWJD bracelets that ask us to consider what would Jesus do. Now, this is what Paul tried to do in his life, and it's what he wanted the Philippians to do and it, for us, we, He wants us to do that as well. What we find in this passage is that the mind of Christ was an humble mind. Jesus was and is God, and yet He put that aside to come to earth to save us from our sins, from our own helplessness, from our own stupidity. He put His rights away as God to live as a lowly man. Can you ever imagine the extent of that sacrifice? The closest thing I can come to with such humility is the missionary families who choose to live in villages in the developing nations of the world. Missions is sacrificial cross-cultural ministry. And in coming to live with us, Jesus began incarnational missions. We need to bow in awe of such sacrifice. We need to put aside our petty pride and jealousies and to bow down in submission to our God who saved us. We need to Make Him the true God of our lives. True worship and adoration is the first priority of a Christian. Also for a Christian, a right mind is a respectful mind. Verses 12-16 through 16 read, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. 
and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Paul says we all need to work out our own salvation. Now, while we don't work for our salvation, we must, however, work to grow in Christ after our salvation. Like getting married or having a baby, getting saved by God's grace is only the beginning. A significant portion of having a mature mind is the fear of the Lord. Christians must remember who God is. He is the pre-existent creator that created all things and the one who has given us everything. He flung the stars into space and he knows them all by name. You know, when we think of this, it's, it's hard to escape the thought that God must really be amused by our efforts to explore the galaxy and the space that he has created. You see, God know, not only knows all the things of all the world spread across the heavens, he also knows our hearts as well. Our at- attitude ought to be like the Apostle Thomas. When he had seen Jesus face to face, he proclaimed, My Lord and my God. Again, Paul gave some practical guidance. He told us to quit whining and complaining and fussing. He said we should be blameless and harmless and without fault so that we can be an example to a sinful generation. He also told us to hold fast to the Word of God, not in part, but in the whole. For the Christian, a right mind is a sacrificial mind also. Verses 17 and 18 say, But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So too should you be glad and rejoice with me. From a human perspective, no one really desires to be a sacrifice. As my seminary professor ruefully commented, the problem with living sacrifices is they tend to crawl off the altar. Self-preservation is a powerful force as is human pride. We like to honor sacrifice, but not be a sacrifice. For example, in World War II, the vice president of the Philippines burst into tears when asked to stay behind and work with the Japanese to protect the citizens of the islands that they had captured. He believed he would be known forever as a collaborator and a traitor. Yet Paul said we need to have the same mind as Christ. If he was willing to be a sacrifice, so should we. If he was willing to die young and unmarried for God, so should we. If he was willing to be executed between two thieves so that righteousness would prevail, so should we. In conclusion, Paul told the church at at Rome that we must be transformed by the renewal of our minds. He expanded on that thought in our focal passage for today. He taught the Philippians just what it meant to have renewed minds. As Christians, we ought to have minds that are united and humble and respectful. We ought to have the mindset that is willing to sacrifice for the sake of Christ and the gospel. What is your state of mind today? Are you willing to have it transformed for the cause of Christ? Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon with another portion of God's Word that we can consider together. Every blessing, I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett.